preaching today in a new series called The New You for a reason. I got a, 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 an email real quick after the event from a, a lady. She's been to Uganda with me when she was still a student. Now she's serving, and she serves at a home uh, for moms that are in a challenging position, whether they got pregnant or they're a new mother and in a challenging place. And she emailed me to say one of the ladies that she brought who's a mom received Jesus. And I was just like, yeah, the whole thing's worth it. Yeah, which, you're obviously not impressed. Uh, so there was, a, I got another cool email from a dad, uh, eight-year-old boy, uh, felt led to respond. Dad, being sensitive, said, let's go for it. Got the little book that we put together, Good News Today and Tomorrow. And it was so cool just to hear. Uh, dad said the son was reading it and had a, a, a feeling, a positive feeling inside that he couldn't explain and he started to cry. And I thought, Holy Spirit, that's exactly what's happening. And he was able to perceive it. And so it led to discussions about Jesus between a father and son. I'm like, that's not why we did it. That's exactly why we did it. Because God does stuff. I got another one from someone who had a chance to talk with a guy who got into rehab last week, a group who were in this program, heard about it on the radio. They came and he gave his life to Jesus because of hearing it on the radio. And people listen to the radio, evidently. And so, Apple Music, why? I you know, but, but, but people are, and so they came. Got another one from a guy who uh, emailed me and another pastor friend, because he knows us both. And uh, this, at this other church, a guy has been coming for a long while. He's a, he's a trucker, a long-haul trucker. And he came to the event because he was sitting in his church not far from here. And they handed out the good news today, little invites, and said, I want you to hand these to friends. And he thought, maybe I should go. And when um, the opportunity was given to receive Jesus, he raised his hand. And this guy, this friend of mine, why is he said, hey, I noticed that your hand went up. Why don't we go together? He's like, I would love to. And they had a chance to talk about faith. He had been hearing all this time. And Hillsborough Stadium was the point where he went from death to life. And I'm just giddy. And I'm just giving you, I got a couple of more uh, this morning that I, I won't even bother to get into, but I want to hear your story. I want to hear what God is doing because we ought to celebrate and the redeemed of the Lord should what? Say so. I love the song, except the country twang uh, wasn't working for me. <laughs> Those of you who know me just know it's just, that's just the way it is. But thank you for praying. <laughs> country fans, I'm sorry. Jesus loves you too. <laughs> thank you for praying. Thank you for serving. Hear me. Thank you for giving because Jesus is doing this kind of stuff through everyday people like us. And so we don't have to wait till an annual event to see God at work. We don't have to wait to Hillsborough Stadium and big bands and sound and lights and smoke. Every day can be an opportunity for you and I to live as the new you. The new you. What is it that happens after an event? What is it that happens after like that guy who went into rehab who said, I want to follow the way of Jesus and my life is broken and I don't know what to do. What's next? What about now? What changes when you and I respond in faith to Jesus, what stays the same? And so we wanna take the next month and look at some realities that if you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, you're gonna be tempted to check out. Check out. I already know this stuff, Jose. Why don't we move on to something deeper? 
But for some of you, this is brand new. And for others, we need to rediscover the beautiful power of what happens when Jesus changes lives. So in order to do that, 2 Corinthians 5, you already got it. Start in verse 17. What changes when we follow Jesus? Look with, look with me. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Jesus the Messiah, that's the, the phrase Christ, or the word Christ. If anyone is now in Jesus the Messiah, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And all of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and now gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are Therefore, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And in the last verse we're going to read, verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin or to be the sin offering for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, new creation or as we'll put it for this series, the new you. We want to build a foundation this morning, and we're going to build on it every week. If today doesn't sound super practical, it's because if you're going to build a house before you get all the trim and your, your appliances and all the things that make your home beautiful, you need to start with a slab. How many of you are excited about your foundation? Woo, you're weird. Why would you be excited about that? That makes no sense. But without a strong foundation, the house, as pretty as it may look, in times of trouble or wind or storm will crumble. And so we want to relook this morning at a foundation and we're going to build on it each week. We'll start with this phrase, new creation. That's all we're going to talk about. New creation. What is that? It sounds super churchy. Hey man, you're a new creation, weirdo. Well, what does that mean, right? What, what does it actually mean? Now, in order to do this, some of us are newer to the Bible and that's okay. I want to give you the whole Bible in a minute. Because whenever I look at a piece of the Bible, I'm going to be tempted to, to grab it and forget everything that's around it. But the Bible is one unified story that leads us to Jesus. And if we don't see the whole framework, we'll take one little thing and we'll misapply it or misunderstand it. So in one minute, the whole Bible, and we'll do it in a slide. Some of you can take a photo or write it down. What's the Bible about? It starts with creation. That is Genesis 1.1. God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible gives us reality. It's not just a book. You want to know the origin of everything? God. You want to know what God does? God creates. And if you don't have that, the rest of the Bible doesn't make sense. Here's why. I'll just jump ahead to weeks from now. Who gets to dictate what's right and wrong? Who gets to dictate what is good and what is not? Who gets to dictate in your life what's going to lead you to flourishing and goodness and wholeness, not just for yourself, but for the people around you? Who gets to choose which way you should go. Everything in this world and everything you're hearing every day says you. And it's absolutely wrong. Because in the beginning, God creates. And if there's a God who creates us, then we're under God. And if God creates and knows what's right and good, guess who gets to choose what's right and good? Not you. And the moment you think you're in the best position to know what's best for your life and what's best for this world and what's best for thriving, you are setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. 
yet you can know God. Okay, God creates. Then the second thing we see in the Bible is a fall. God makes men and women in his image, equally, beautifully, wonderfully made. He gives them a garden, says, let's just do this together. And he walks with them in the cool of the day and says, don't go your own way. Follow me. Hey, by the way, avoid that. And what do they do? We know in the Bible that men and women both choose to go their own way. Pride leaps up, and I think I know it's right and good, and I think that God's holding something back. And that is the rest of the Bible, is the repercussions of our choices to walk away from God. So the Bible is a book about a God as a creator and men and women who fail and fall. And that's Genesis 3 all the way to the end. You see it, but don't miss this. At the end of Genesis 3 is redemption. They're naked, they're ashamed, they don't don't know what to do, they're hiding. God comes to them. God does not wait for Adam and Eve to come to him. God makes the first move in this dance and God is the one who covers them when they realize, they, oh my gosh, this is what happened. He covers them. And then he tells their kids, Cain and Abel, hey, Cain, watch out. Man, I see what's going on in your soul. You're going to kill your brother. Watch out. Destruction is looking at you. Sin is creeping at your door. Don't. And he kills his brother anyway, but God steps in. And all throughout the Bible we see it's not just a storybook. It is the history of our lives. God made us, but we fail, but God's looking, and guess what? Jesus is the culmination. You have all this thousands of years of history leading us to Jesus. Why? He's the one who can fully bring everyone back, and even though God had provided all these ways for us to come back to him, he provides ways of sacrifice. He provides ways of worship. God comes down and meets with his people. He sends messages through the prophets. But in the end, the most beautiful and complete picture of God is Jesus, who's God made flesh. So the Bible is about Jesus. But Jesus doesn't make sense until you realize how self-destructive we are. And this is why reading all the Bible is helpful. In those stories, quote unquote, are you and me. Our life is on display. The names are different, the clothing's different, the music's different, but the storyline is the same. We need someone who can bring us back because guess what? Left to our own vices, we end to self-destruct. Some do it big and glorious and fast, right? Most of us, it's a slow slide downward. We go further and further from God year by year, but that's why he sent Jesus. Now, After Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you have this action of Jesus' people and then these letters, and all of that is about how to live in light of Jesus. How do we actually make choices? How do we do what's right? How do we know what to do? All of these books after the stories or the narratives or the biographies of Jesus are there to help us live this out. And then the end of the Bible is new creation. And here's why I'm going on this long rabbit trail. A foundation for understanding what it means to be a new creation is understanding the beginning and the end of the Bible. I'll put them on the screen. Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created. And then the last book of the Bible, and towards the tail end, you have this statement. John, who's a follower of Jesus, sees something. Then I saw a new heaven, and I saw a new earth for the old heaven, and the old earth has disappeared. Friends, this is not an overstatement. This is the entirety of the human race and all of the world framed out by God. God makes, and he's worthy of our allegiance. God is going to recreate, 
And in the future, he's going to do something to make sense of this broken world that is broken because of our rebellion and sin. So I'm gonna drop a little bit of a seed. This is just foundation. When Paul then says, Paul who writes this, that we are a new creation in Jesus, the old has gone, the new has come. What is he talking about? He's not making this up. He's read his Bible and he knows what God is doing. God created and God will recreate in the future. Now, here's what new creation means. It means that what's going to happen in the future, God is gonna make everything new and remove sin and remove evil and remove suffering. He's going to do it. Now, when he says you and I are the new creation, he's saying right now what God is going to do in the future, he has done in you right now. What God's doing, this beautiful thing that we're looking forward to, God is not waiting to the end to recreate your life. He's recreated it now. You are not just a better person. You're not just like a bonus person because you follow Jesus. You're an absolutely new person waiting for the fullness of what it means to be new to come in God's future. You're like, Jose, you've been reading too much philosophy. I'm confused. Fear not. Three ideas about this new creation that are gonna tease out what I just said. What God is gonna do in the future, he has done in you right now. What does that mean? Write them down. Number one, new creation means that we are a new people. We're a new people. Look at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Jesus Christ, this new creation that's going to happen in the future, it has come. And so the old has gone and the new is here. In the future, read Revelation, you're gonna see that there will be no more tears, there will be no more crying. Why? God's presence will be with his people and just like it was at the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, he created Adam and Eve, he was with them. God walked this planet with them. Guess what, in the future, that's going to happen again. Now, who in the world can spend time with God? Who's worthy of that? None of us. None of us are. But now we are. Jesus doesn't add value to your life. He's not like an add-on. He recreates it. So I can say with confidence, the moment you place your trust in Jesus Christ, and not in your own effort, and not in some church, and not in some pastor or preacher, the moment you said, I know that I've rebelled like Adam and Eve and everybody else. And I need mercy. I need a new start because I am bent towards self-destruction. God, I'm far. I want to be close. In that moment, in your soul, in the deepest part of you, you are made new. Absolutely brand new. And you say, Jose, well, that doesn't make any sense because I woke up the next day and felt the same. Let me tell you, my friend, what everyone else knows to be true. Stop being led by your feelings. Your feelings will deceive you. Your feelings, though they're good at times, are probably the least helpful part of you. Why? How often do you crave something new to eat? You know, one day it's like Thai food is the best. And the next day, Thai food is the best. And then the next day, Thai food is the best. And Whatever the case may be, your feelings are so fickle. You fall in and out of friendship. We fall in and out of passion. And my friend, I'm here to tell you, 
We're not to be led just by our feelings. We're to be led by the truth. And here's the most true thing about you. You are not the same person. God recreated you at the DNA level. You just don't see it yet. You have been made new. And this is why following Jesus is a glorious new start because no matter where we came from, no matter how bad life was or how good life was, we get a brand new start and Jesus says, blank slate. Say, wait, 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 wait a minute. I did a lot of stuff. I'm not suggesting that the effects of what we've done are not still felt, right? We do all sorts of things and we feel those effects. I'm not saying we'll never feel guilty about what we did before following Jesus because I feel guilty all the time, right? But how often should I trust my feelings? Not that often. What I want to do as a Jesus follower is get this settled. I'm not just a better person. I'm a new person. And now Jesus has reset my ability to walk with him and love him and follow him. You and I are our new people. Now, what does that mean? Come next week. Because I want to tease out the practical side in the weeks to come. All I want you to know, I want you to drill this. And if you have to put it on your mirror and, and, or write it down or put it on, as a screensaver on your phone, do whatever you need to do. I am a new person. Because of Jesus, I am made new. And by the way, 20 years from now, when I don't feel that anymore, it doesn't make any difference. I am a new person. I'm created in Christ Jesus. And the old person before following Jesus does not have to guide my life. Notice what I said carefully. Does not have to guide my life. But I meet many Jesus followers today who are letting the old person guide their life. The old way of thinking, the old way of living, the old mindset, forgetting, and here's why. We forget, so you go back to your default. Our kids just finished having uh, braces for years, right? And, and the teeth and the, the, the frame of their mouths were not as they should be. Well, we paid some money, folks. And, and it reshaped, it recreated the, the bite, the look, everything, right? And then here's what the orthodontist says. Your teeth want to go back. They want to go back. So for the rest of your life, we have a perfect fit of this is who your mouth is now, how your teeth are set to be. Now you could choose to live in that or you could choose to just let go and let the old way of your mouth going back and they will all go back to their old self. And I think it's a small baby giddy analogy and all analogies break down that remind us that just because I'm made new doesn't mean I'm going to default to thinking like the new me. I have some things I can do to help keep me in my new way of living. But there's going to be a mindset that's going to want to drag me back. And my friend, that's not God's will for you. He's declared to you, you are a new person. All right, that's the first one. Second thing, write it down. New creation means we belong to a new Family, look at verse uh, 18. All this is from God, who's reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he's committed to us this message of re reconciliation. New creation means you and I are brought into a new family. Underline, if you have your own Bible there, 
or if you have it on your app, highlight the word us. Because sometimes we think that following Jesus is a me thing. It's sort of a me thing. I hope it's true of you. But it's really an us thing. See, God brought us to himself. This is super foundation. I just want you to get this. You are a new person. I don't feel any different. I may not look any different. And for a while, I may not act any different. But I need to remember I am different. Not because of me. Because Christ now lives in me. So I no longer have to default to my old mindset, my old way of living. That has been broken by God. And I can live in a new way if I choose to. More on that in the weeks to come. It's about a choice. It's about actions based on belief. It's about knowing what's right and true and the real things about you as God has determined. Remember, Genesis 1.1, God created. And so God's got the best mindset possible for you. So it's about pursuing God learning to, to, to lean on God, falling more in love with this God so that my mind catches up with God's reality and I begin to think like God thinks and I begin to live like God lives. And I'm getting into next week. Oh, I didn't want to do that. Sorry, <laughs> pulling it back. We are a, we're a new people, but we've been reconciled. And now what does that mean? Fancy Bible word, it's simply this. It's moving from hostility to Friendship. God's reconciled us in Christ. God moves us from our, our, our life of hostility, we're against God, and he moves us into friendship. And that's exactly what Jesus does. So our relationship with God, catch this, is personal but never private. I say it all the time and I mean it every time. God's relationship with you and me is personal. It, it, it's, it's, it's me and God, but it's we and God. It's never about just me. God is reconciling, moving loads of people from hostility. Do you know the Bible says that you and I were enemies of God? How's that for a Sunday morning pep talk? You and I, in our mindset and in our actions, we're living as enemies of God, but because of Jesus... And this is why Jesus is the center of the Bible. Because of Jesus, you have now been moved from hostile and against God into friendship with God. And this is what Jesus does. And he does it for us. Now, why talking about the obvious? Uh, it's because some of us, catch this, are going to be tempted to move into relationship with Jesus away from us. There'll be a temptation in your life because uh, Jesus' followers are new people and mean. New people and disappointing. New people and gossips. New people and backstabbers. New people and petty. All at the same time. And so there'll be a temptation in your life, whether it's not now, it may come later, to pull away from God's people and say, you know what, have you ever said this or heard this? You know, I love Jesus, but I can't stand the church. It's actually become popular. It's actually become like kind of hip to say, no, I love Jesus, I'm all about the authentic Jesus. I'm all about getting back to the roots of Jesus. Pause. Do you realize you wouldn't know anything about Jesus if it weren't for the church? You wouldn't have a Bible if it weren't for the church. You wouldn't have anything recorded if it weren't for the church. You wouldn't have any faith if it weren't for the church. So calm down and don't curse what God is blessing. 
Now, I say, I would never curse the church. Well, you may not do it with your lips, but in your pulling away, you're saying, I love Jesus and I'm into Jesus. I'm not into you. Friend, there's a subtle danger that your foundation of your Christian life will be Jesus and you. And can I just say this with humility but sincerity? That is probably the most dangerous place you will ever be. When you think that you can connect with Jesus and you don't need anybody else. Me and Jesus. It's always me and Jesus as long as it's we and Jesus. Ephesians 2. I just want to read this long passage. We won't explain it. It's self-explanatory. Therefore, remember that formerly you were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember, at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. I jumped in on his letter. He's writing to a church that's mixed with non-Jews, us, and Jews. And he says to the non-Jews, us, hey, you didn't have the Bible, you didn't have God's promise to Abraham, you, didn't, you weren't circumcised, you don't go to temple. You, it's talking to us, you have no right to know God. God met with Abraham and said, Isaac, Jacob, your children after you, I make a promise to them. I'm gonna bless the world through them. And by the way, the rest of us don't qualify. And so there was this battle within the church who's closest to Jesus, right? And he says, those of you who are outside of the Jewish framework, you had no hope. Look at verse 13. Now, though, in Jesus Christ, you who were once far away, speaking to us, you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he, Jesus himself, is our peace, who's made the two groups one. And he's destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By the way, these people never hung out. No relationship. And there was a barrier culturally in their world. And he's like, Jesus broke that down by setting aside the flesh, in his flesh, the law with its commands and regulations. And underline this line. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. I read that long thing on purpose to drive home the one line. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity. By the way, this four-week series is a, is a setup to, we're going to look at the letter of the Ephesians all fall, after Labor Day, all the way to Christmas, and we're going to see what it means to live as new people, to live as this new community how do we actually work this out in the real world? So there's tons of practical application, but you have to come next week. All right, what does new creation mean? It means that Jesus came to destroy the things that are dividing us. Put this in the foundation of your faith. God makes you new. God makes us new. And part of the us being made new is the things that are driving us apart he came to destroy. He came to bring peace. So we look at the headlines, and nations are against each other. Would you agree? And, 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 and companies are against each other, and families are against each other, and people are against each other, and there's so much division. Just look at American politics today, and the word that everyone would agree on is we're divided. We're all divided. Why? Our personal brokenness 
leads to brokenness in our relationships. Hurt people hurt people. People who are made whole bring healing. It's hard if you're toxic to bring health to someone else. It's just really, really hard. You can try, but here's what Jesus has done. He makes me new, you new, and then he pulls us together and says, you know what my healing hope for the world is? It's this community. What I'm going to do is put this community on display, and I'm going to show my power to work through brokenness and bring healing. And if a Jew and a non-Jew, kosher and non-kosher, can eat together and love one another and sacrifice for each other, that is on display. What I'm doing inside is now shows up on the outside. So the church is to be the place, this, this imperfect place, because we're imperfect people, but it's a beautiful place where wholeness happens. It's why we need each other. And friend, foundation to your spiritual development is falling more and more in love with God's people. We need each other. Now, disclaimer, what God will do in the future, he's now done in us. I am a new creation, but it doesn't mean I always live like it, right? So what we're gonna do is gonna learn, we're gonna learn the art of showing grace to one another when we live out of the wrong identity. I am a new creation in Jesus. And a new creation in Jesus would never wanna harm you. But guess what? Sometimes I live like the old me and I harm you and I hurt you and I disappoint you. And because we are God's people, we're gonna learn the art of giving grace to one another and mercy and healing. And you know what that's gonna show? That's gonna show that God really saves, not just theoretically on Sundays, but he really changes us from the inside out. And so new creation means that I've been given a new relationship with God and a new relationship with God's people. We need one another. Okay, that's, that's the first two. Are you still breathing? Yes. Okay, I know. I feel like I'm, I'm spitting through a fire hose here, but thanks for being patient. 2 Corinthians 5.20. Let's look at it together. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So we implore, we beg you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Third dimension. Yes, we're a new people. And yes, uh, we've been given a, a, a new family. We're part of something bigger. But write this down. The new creation means that we live with a new purpose. We're living with a new purpose. Now, uh, loaded question. Why are you here? Not like in this building. Uh, but what is the purpose to life? What is your, and so much time and energy is spent in life on discovering your purpose. What were you created to do? Now, we immediately, because we're Americans, default to career or to what we gain or who we're seeing. Like, I'm, I'm this person. Um, but I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the fundamental level. If you are a follower of Jesus, Homemaker, taking care of little ones. Retired, student, young person, clueless about what job you're supposed to take, totally clued in and dialed, single, married, divorced. Wherever you are in all of life, we are united now that we belong to Jesus. We are the new creation with 
one purpose. Paul's telling his story here. He was a Jewish rabbi, teacher, Pharisee, who was trying to stamp out the Jesus movement, and he met Jesus. And when he meets Jesus, he's given the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit begins to rewire his brain and let him know what his purpose is. And so he sees himself, and he uses a term that's helpful because it's so obvious. We are therefore now Christ, Jesus' ambassadors. Now, he happened to be a full-time church-planting missionary, and that's not your calling for most of you. It's not your calling. But I think in the broader sense, we can pick up on the sense of purpose. Whatever I do, whatever my job is, my purpose, now that I've been made new, the future that God's gonna have for the whole world has now happened in me. Now that I am a new connected to God and newly connected to God's people, I can, I can represent him. This is the scary one. Jesus is looking for you to now represent him to his world. And you say, Jose, I like the new relating to God. I'm all about that. I was an enemy, now I'm a friend. I, I, I can get with that. Or, or new family. Yeah, I'll go to church. That's kind of killer. And you make some new friends and networks, and that's great. And I can learn and, 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 and overlook some faults from a few people sometimes. And I can, I can be a good person. But represent Jesus. Like, Jose, like, I'm messed up. I, I, now, maybe you... Maybe a few others, but like me represent Jesus? And this is the radical claim of God. While you don't trust yourself, he actually trusts you. You know how I know he trusts you? He came to live inside of you. That is, when you open your life and receive Jesus Christ, you receive God's presence, not in an ethereal force, the person that we call the Holy Spirit. God's presence comes to live in you. And if God's presence comes to live in you, my purpose is, and I'm now able to represent God to other people that don't yet know him. I'm an ambassador. And so he says, what does an ambassador do? Calls people into allegiance with Jesus. Be reconciled to God. I just want you guys to know uh, at this church in Corinth, the greatest thing that you can do is be connected to God and be connected to God's people. And so Paul can't help but live out his purpose. And I'm here to say that because of Jesus, you now have a new purpose. You say, well, Jose, I don't like to talk to people about my faith because I'm struggling with it. That's totally okay. This is not about how many people you talk to. It's not about how many things that you say. I want to go more fundamental than that. No matter what your behavior looks like, fundamentally, foundation in your world, you are his representative. He's come to live in you, and now he wants to live through you so that the change that's happening in you becomes evident to all, and the people around you, as they see the repercussions of you being a new person in Jesus, that you'll be able to give praise back to God and humbly say, I had nothing to do with this. God came in and he's reshaped my life. And this is the beauty of your purpose. And by the way, all of those things are already true of you right now. 
Whether I feel like I'm new, that's true of you. Whether I feel like I'm connected to God's people, that's true of you. Whether I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm one of his representatives, I'm an ambassador, it's already true of you. And verse 21, because some of you are saying like, man, I can't live up to this. this I didn't know this was following Jesus. About. I don't even know if I'm ready for this game. Look at verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Here's what we need to get. All of these things God did for you. None of us asked for it or earned it. God did this and now the rest of our life gets to be a reflection because God made these things true about you. I get to live into this. So, so don't forget, God loves you. You say, Jose, I, I, I was following Jesus. I started following Jesus 10 years ago, and I feel like I've made no progress. God loves you. I'm following Jesus right now, but if you knew what I was doing, what I was involved in, you would, you would say like that, I'm an embarrassment to this Jesus thing. Hear me, God loves you. God's grace is here for you. Mercy is available. God made him who knew no sin to become the sin offering for us so that we might become those in right relationship with him. God loves us enough to drag us out. He loves us enough to pull us and clean us and change us and transform us. So the Christian life is never about you trying to become someone so that God will love you. It's that you are loved by God and therefore I can live as a loved human being. 